Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast here at DraftSite.com, our post draft recap for the 2019 draft. I'll tell you what, Nashville really did it up well. Good job, Nashville. But as always, I can't do this alone. The man, the myth, the legend, Buddy Andre, joining me. Buddy, good day, sir. Good day to you, DJ. What's going on? Oh, all is well. We've got about 361 days till the next draft. Ready to go. You know, we already do have uh, seven rounds up on the uh, on the uh, draftsite.com site. 1.0 is up. But today we're going to do a little post-draft, uh, a little recap, how things went all three days, kind of go division by division, look at the teams. As always, Buddy kind of being our AFC specialist, I will do the NFC. Well, let's start right off at the top. Uh, when you think back to this 2019 draft, to you, what is the one thing that's going to stand out or what do you think was the biggest story here? Uh, how, even though they had the first pick, that the Arizona Cardinals found a way to screw this all up. <laughs> uh, they picked the player, but I was thinking when the clock got down to three minutes, I'm thinking to myself, well, they're dealing Rosen. They know who they're taking. They're just securing the Rosen deal. And then the pick was made, and you heard they really hadn't taken calls on Rosen yet. And they lost at that moment. They lost any leverage that they had to make a trade. As far as places where Rosen could go, and then he wound up in Miami, how do you think the fit is for the Miami Dolphins? Do you, do you anticipate kind of a good marriage there? How do you think things could go in Miami? Could be a good marriage. He's probably going to be running the same system that they run in New England. So uh, it's going to be a total overhaul for him after learning – Two systems in a year, as he learned the system they had last year. Then Byron Lefwich came in, took over, and that changed. And then the new system this year. So I'm sorry, three. So he's going on his fourth system already, and he's been in the league for about 370 days. That's a lot to soak up. And uh, for Miami, I think it works out well. I mean, they're a team that you got to think about it. They were picking number 11 last year, so Rosen was off the board one pick before they could have had him last year. They get him, obviously, much cheaper. I think right now the risk isn't that great. You play him for a year, you really don't like the way things are, or if you think there's a better prospect in this upcoming draft, hey, they can still go out and get a quarterback, and then possibly poor Josh Rosen could be on a third team within three years. Yeah, and they're going to pay a minimal because it's going to be under $2 million salary. This year, they have to pay none of the bonuses. That's all dead money incurred by the Arizona Cardinals. So it's a good deal for $2 million to take a chance on a quarterback. That's a good deal to take a flyer on a guy who was a top-ten pick last year. Yeah, and I do got to give him some credit. I mean, I, I liked him coming out last year, but, I mean, obviously this was a much better quarterback class last year than what we saw this year. At the same time, you know, the biggest thing was kind of the brashness, the immaturity, uh, the 
very kind of boastful quarterback. We even heard him saying about nine teams making mistakes that were ahead of Arizona, and he was going to make everybody pay. Really didn't hear too much of that from Josh Rosen. I mean, he had his moments. He, you know, took all of his Cardinal stuff down off of all the social media stuff pretty quickly. And I mean, there were just little things here and there. But overall, I think he he had the right attitude. He never stopped coming into camp. He never stopped uh, going to the facility and trying to, as you even alluded to, learning the new system with Byron Leftwich coming in. He did what what seemed to be what you'd want your quarterback to do. And, and by all accounts, he was well-liked uh, in, in the locker room. So maybe there's a little bit of maturation there with uh, Josh Rosen. So maybe this experience kind of humbles him a bit and makes him a better player going forward. That is That could be the case. And this could be a different player than the Miami Dolphins interviewed maybe 14 months ago, just the attitude and the acclimation to the league and maybe a little bit of humble pie. Well, I'm going to tell you that, I mean, obviously a lot of the talk centered around Kyler Murray and then Daniel Jones and the Giants. And, you know, we had him in the final mock going to the Giants, but with the 17th pick, I think it was really no secret that the Giants were more enamored with him than, say, a Dwayne Haskins, who winds up kind of staying in his own backyard and going to the Redskins. But to me, really, the story was Nashville. I think Nashville... Oh, they just seem to do it upright. I mean, you just think back. I mean, my first draft that I attended was in the year 2000. And, you know, going back years before that one, this was just something that was done at a, in a hotel-like lobby. And now what it's, what it's turned into, it gets bigger and bigger every year. We had coverage on three different networks simultaneously with ABC picking up some coverage this year. So it's just turned into just a huge event. And, uh, you know, what a, what a great job they're doing. And it's going to be in Vegas next year. So, gee, can't imagine this getting any bigger or a more grand spectacle than going to Vegas. But uh, to me, I really have to commend Nashville. They just seem to do a very, very good job. Wasn't too over the top. Uh, great, great job all in all. I uh, hope that's a place that gets the draft again. They really seem to do it right. No, we can, we can only hope it goes back there. I made my first Nashville trip in November. And it's a place you want to go back to. It is, it's a fun town. It's a really fun town. And I'm not even a country music fan. Now you heard it there. Buddy's travel agency is recommending recommending uh, Nashville. It's a good time. Yes, we are. Well, let's jump right into the draft. So we'll go kind of east and then uh, central, and you know, kind of keeping it that way. So I'll let you take the AFC East. You can break this down team by team, or who you thought was the big winners or losers from the division. So, AFC East, I'll turn it over to you, buddy. All right. Well, the Jets had the third pick, and I feel they got a man-child in Quinnen Williams. We saw the uh, swap-off from Josh Allen to Quinnen Williams hearing that was going to be the pick the week of the draft, more so. And then we saw Josh Allen slide down, who we'll talk about later with the Jaguars. Uh, outside of that, I really liked their fifth-round pick in Blake Cashman, an inside linebacker out of Minnesota. I think you pair him with your free agent signing, and you got a good pair inside, and I think a guy like Darren Lee could be on the move uh, for for some future picks for the Jets. So, overall, I thought they did okay. Quinn and Williams inside with Leonard, Leonard Williams. Well, no, no relation, I, I don't believe. And uh, 
Cash, but I like those two picks for the New York Jets. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, Christian Wilkins, I thought was a good pick. Good pick for them, an interior presence. Uh, Flores really was an attack-type defense, more so than uh, the Patriots were in the past. So someone like this is going to be asked to shoot a gap and go get a quarterback. Uh, later on, they were able to get a pretty good back to be a backup, uh, Miles Gaskin in the seventh round out of Washington. Uh, 4,000 yard rushing seasons uh, in the Pac 12. So a nice pick there. And Chandler Cox out of the SEC, a fullback. So uh, off the new offensive coordinator, former Patriots wide receiver coach Chad O'Shea, uh, gets a fullback. And they had a lot of fullback offense last year with James Devlin in New England. Sort of a little, little mimicking of the style and the, uh, the game plan that they did have. They can. Uh, run the ball early no matter who the quarterback is and let them uh, settle in, not really depend on the pass. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, I thought, had a really strong draft, uh, able to get Ed Oliver, who I believe, if I'm right, DJ was our top-ranked player coming into the season. Absolutely. Uh, they, uh, they grabbed Cody Ford, offensive tackle guard out of Oklahoma, who I was huge into. We've talked a lot about Cody Ford to see him slide into the second round. And I really liked how they doubled up on the tight ends. They got Dawson Knox, who's more of that receiving tight end, uh, played with the group at Old Miss, the NWO, the nasty wideouts. And Tommy Sweeney, a seventh-round pick, I thought was a steal out of Boston College. Good in-line, intermediate tight end to make, uh, you know, open up the middle of the field. And finally... The New England Patriots, NKL Harry to start it out with. Uh, was very happy with that pick. Uh, wide receiver is definitely a need. Uh, Bill Belichick hasn't drafted a first-round wide receiver since 1994 when he was in Cleveland, and he drafted Derek Alexander out of Michigan. So that was a surprise to some. Uh, that morning I went on a podcast, NKL Harry was my pick, just going through the draft. Uh, Jared Stidham in the fourth round, I think he's a fit in this system. Uh, the only thing they're going to have to work on is just getting him not to hold on to the ball. But we saw a little bit more in the last bowl game of the year where the protection was there and the play column was good. He didn't hold on to the ball as much. And getting a guy like Byron Cowart in the fifth round, defensive tackle, who was the number one college prospect in 2015, uh, went to Auburn and transferred to Maryland. Uh, another sneaky good pick, and Chase Winovich, who is going to be a fan favorite. I would say Buffalo, if I just did a quick scan, I really think Buffalo was the big winner. I was a big, big fan of what the Bills did in that draft. I don't know if there really was a loser. I really, of the teams that you mentioned, I really don't think anyone had a, quote, bad draft. It's hard to really come up with a loser. I just think Buffalo did a little – I was really kind of a fan of what they did, especially those top two picks with Oliver and Ford. Those are just fantastic. But everyone everyone else had a solid draft. If if I were to just say, who do I think maybe had, I, I hate to say the worst, but I, I would say the Jets. But again, it's not a bad draft. I just don't think there was a loser. Uh, it's kind of the way I feel about the NFC East. I'll take the NFC. Obviously, I think you would, quote, say the loser. What's What's going to be viewed here is the New York Giants. Just because even though there, there's some very good picks here, I mean, moving back into the first round, three three draft picks, I think it's the first time since 92 
The Giants have had three players taken in the first round. Like them going up, getting uh, DeAndre Baker. Julian Love in the fourth round was tremendous value on, on day three. Corey Ballantyne, obviously we wish him the best, and there's still some details coming out about that unfortunate shooting incident that he was involved with uh, with one of his college teammates. Dexter Lawrence, I mean, they're, they're really kind of uh, showing that, uh, you know, getting rid of Snacks Harrison uh, was really just kind of a, you know, they, they needed to replace him in the middle of the line. But it's all going to come back on Daniel Jones, even if they hit on all these later players. If the Daniel Jones thing turns out to be something that is, is seen as a bust or not a great fit, this is going to be looked at as a failure, uh, regardless of how many good people they came, uh, came away with in this draft. So I'd have to say that the Giants are probably the, the quote, loser, per se, if you got to. Uh, and, you know, there were, there were some good drafts. I don't think the other three teams in this division, there was one that really blew me away, but they were all solid. But I'll say the Cowboys, because when you look at this draft, the fact that it was a little bit thinner, especially that wide receiver, I think now what the what the Cowboys got, giving up that first-round pick for Amari Cooper, I think with the, the targets that you saw in the first round and what he did for them, I think that's one that was worth it. I think as, as a Cowboy fan, you're happy with the way that's ended up so far. So I think because of the Amari Cooper trade uh, during the season last year, I would put the Cowboys as kind of my winner. Tristan Hill was a, a player that was moving up a lot of boards, like uh, the fact that he went there. And I like Connor McGovern. I can play center and guard out of Penn State. It seems like a lot of people are talking about him playing center. The fact that Connor Williams from Texas last year had some trouble in that system as they kind of moved him from his natural tackle position. Well, McGovern played a full season, about a season and a half at center, and we all know about what Travis Frederick has gone through and what the long-term prognosis for him might be. So I think this is kind of a safe pick in the fact they have someone that can do the interior or possibly even play center if, if things don't work out, per se, with Travis Frederick, because I think they really, really missed him running the football in the, in the middle of the field last year. Uh, overall, I like the Red, what the Redskins did. Not a huge, huge Dwayne Haskins person, uh, but again – Good player, uh, and, and I think that if he's going to fit anywhere, that's probably the place. Philadelphia, uh, Andre Dillard, I, I think he's a good pick as well, but not quite sure he's the guy along the outside. Really like Miles Sanders in round two. Uh, and Clayton Thorson could be a, a very sneaky good pick in the fifth round. Just a little bit disappointed there was no linebacker pick there for Philadelphia, but every player they got seemed to be someone that fits that system. So, I would say Dallas overall, but I think what pushed them over the end and edge and makes them the winner again was that Amari Cooper trade. Normally you see a trade like that, it comes back and you start to second guess, but I think this is one where Dallas wins. No, that's a good analysis. They had a strong draft saying they didn't have a first-round pick, and I really like both Jacksons at uh, the University of Miami. I think they fit well, especially Joe Jackson. Uh, He was an end that I really wanted the Patriots to pick. And uh, he went later on to Dallas. Uh, moving on to the AFC North, uh, shocking to see Pittsburgh move up in the draft. Not something you see as a trade with the Pittsburgh Steelers usually. Uh, they move up to 10 to grab Devin Bush Jr. And that's just the inside linebacker that they need. He can blitz, he can cover, can defend against the run. Good athlete, leader. Uh, he's going to fit in well there. 
Uh, I left the Sonic Chair Benny Snell Jr. in the fourth round at 122 uh, as a running back to push James Conner. Not a guy who's going to wow you with the speed, but he's just got the ability and makes plays. And I thought one of the biggest steals of the draft was Isaiah Bugs in the sixth round at 192 out of Alabama. I think he's a good fit as maybe a uh, defensive end in a 3-4 defense, uh, maybe a little shorter than you like, but a guy who would uh, fit their pass rushing need, and he, he he's just a gamer. He's just a guy. You turn on the tape and you see him flash and make plays uh, when needed. Cincinnati was 11 right after. Uh, Jonah Williams early, good offensive tackle. Uh, they've cycled through tackles outside of Cordy Glenn. So he could come right in and either play tackle or guard and start day one. Uh, Ryan Finley, let's see if he's the heir to the throne of Andy Dalton. Uh, new coach in, in and Zach Taylor. Uh, is this the guy he wants to build around? Is this his Kyler Murray much later or much, much uh, further down the board? But looking at it that way, is he that guy? And I liked Rodney Anderson running back in the seventh round at 211 uh, out of Oklahoma to back up Joe Mixon. Uh, maybe one of the most talented players in this draft, but a guy who's always hurt. So dependability is uh, the question with him. Uh, the Ravens grabbing Hollywood Brown in the first round. Uh, speed receiver to get downfield for Lamar Jackson. We know he has the big arm. Uh, it's more of the touch passes that we worry about. So Hollywood Brown could be a guy who could make plays. And they also grabbed Miles Boykin, who tested well at the combine and was a leader at, at Notre Dame. Uh, tell you the truth. I looked through their whole draft. I like their whole draft. It's probably my favorite in the division. Uh, Galen Mack in the fifth round. Kind of an enigma down at Texas A&M, really balled out at the Senior Bowl. And Trace McSorley to be that backup who fits the system that they run now uh, with some ability to run and pass and move around in the pocket. And the Cleveland Browns, I was impressed they were able to grab both Greedy Williams and Mac Wilson. I thought, thought those were good picks, value picks, where they got them. And uh, John Dorsey takes chances on players and after the draft, you heard a little bit more about some maybe immaturity issues with Mac Wilson, but those are the type of guys that Dorsey grabs and uh, makes players or makes other teams look stupid for not grabbing early on, finds a way to fix the problem or get the best out of them. So I'm going to say Baltimore won for the AFC North. I think it was a solid draft, one through seven. I think Cleveland got some good value, and I think Pittsburgh did a good job going up to get Bush. Yeah, I'm taking Baltimore as my winner in the AFC North. I'm going to take Pittsburgh as, as my winner just because I really like that bold move. I think other than that, and I hate being a, a fashion diva, but other than whatever the hell he was wearing, uh, I think uh, you got to <laughs> like everything about Devin Bush. Uh, just, just tailor-made to be a stealer. You watch him on tape. That's almost like if you were to just watch him and say, what team would, would be perfect for him? Not even thinking about who could grab him or where he goes in the draft. He just looks like a stealer. So I, I was really a fan. I did like the fact that the Bengals didn't just panic and go out and get their quarterback. I'm not as big on Finley, but 
maybe that's the person they like. Zach Taylor is known as a as kind of a quarterback developer, so maybe he's got something there. But the fact that they were addressing the trenches, I kind of like that as well. So I'm going to say Pittsburgh is my winner in that division, though. But uh, kudos to the Ravens, first draft without Ozzie, uh, without Nazi Newsom running it. I, I think they did a pretty pretty solid job. So we're gonna we're gonna go to the NFC North. Uh, you got to start with the Chicago Bears. A little bit surprised that David Montgomery was the first area where they went. Again, I'm not as high on Montgomery. Uh, there's a lot of things to like there. I just don't think he's. It's going to translate, or he's really going to be. He's got to be a little more patient at the NFL level. Not really seeing, uh, and the fact they get Kareth White a good compliment back uh, in the seventh round on the Florida, Florida Atlantic. But there weren't a lot of picks there for the Bears. Uh, still a little bit depleted for bringing that little Mac over. Lions, overall, pretty pretty solid. I wouldn't say I was – I mean, they seem to get good areas. They're one of those teams where I like the areas they were going, but I kind of scratched my head just about every time as far as why that player. Isn't there someone else they could get there? Uh, you know, Austin Bryant in round four was probably my favorite pick for the Lions overall. I do think there's a clear loser here, and I think it was Green Bay. Rashawn Gary at 12, I don't know what that was. Uh, just just not a fan of that pick whatsoever. Darnell Savage was a player that was moving way up the boards. Not surprised that he is the first safety off the board. Um, some good players there. Were, even in the seventh round, Ty Summers, that's a great pick. Uh, uh, Green Bay, I think, had some better value later than what they did uh, early in the draft. But I'm going to say my winner for the division is the Vikings. There were a lot of picks, but they really just seemed to concentrate a lot along the lines, uh, offensive and defensive. Cameron Smith, I think, is a very underrated player. Osiudo out of, out of Elon was one of my top small school players. So there was some good value here. I wouldn't say I was blown away by the Vikings, but if I were to give a, a winner, per se, it would be the Vikings – with the Packers being my clear loser. Uh, any thoughts you have on the NFC North? No, I'm going to agree. Uh, the Vikings, one thing we have to worry about with the Vikings now is they got to find the ability to sign these players. I saw today that there are $1.8 total available on the cap before even signing a rookie. So there's going to be a, a vet out the door or a move made. So there definitely is going to be some changes in Minnesota. And I think that guy is going to be Kyle Rudolph. Uh, which was exactly. $7.5 million. Uh I think they tried to move him over the weekend and had no biters because teams knew that they needed the space and they can grab him for nothing or bid on him. Uh, I'm not a big Bradbury fan. Uh, I thought he got to push around a little bit at the Senior Bowl, but outside of that, uh, Rashawn Gary, I totally agree with you. I thought that was kind of early for Rashawn Gary and uh, what his skill set is and just the enigma that he is. All right, take us through the AFC South, buddy. All right, the AFC South, we saw probably the first surprise was Josh Allen going seven to Jacksonville. And I thought they did an all right job in the in the draft overall with him and Jawan Taylor. I think that's a good two, two fits because you know how they love to rub the, rush the passer, so... A guy like Josh Allen is pretty good. A little bit more athletic and ability to play outside linebacker than Dante Fowler did. Uh, He can drop into coverage definitely a lot more. So definitely a 
a change in philosophy there, and they still have Calais and the group in Gakwe, the group there. Uh, I thought the Houston Texans reached big time for Titus Howard. Uh, basically, Dillard went the pick before, and I think they panicked and just went with the next player at the position rather than uh, really regrouping or being better prepared in the draft room for that situation to come up. Indianapolis, you always got to just give credit to Chris Ballard. For whatever reason, he's able to hit uh, draft picks. Uh, last year with the top two picks, uh, being pretty much pro bowlers, and Quentin Nelson, a guy you got to watch out for for years to come. Uh, Rocky Sin was a good pick early at corner. I liked Bobby Okarike at Stanford. And uh, just a lot of these guys aren't guys that you really know, but they're going to be they're going to be good players because I just think Chris Ballard knows what he's doing. As much as I'm not a Colts fan, so I'm going to say the Colts won the draft again in that division. Uh, Houston definitely lost it. Uh, Tennessee with the Simmons pick is kind of an incomplete until next year, so that's who I'm going to go with. With my winner is the Indianapolis Colts. Well, I'm just going to disagree a little bit on Indianapolis. And the only thing I'm going to disagree with is saying that I don't think they won the division. I think they won the AFC. I really was, and and not just disagreeing, just expounding on what they're saying, because it wasn't just the fact that they got the players where they did and they got good fits. It was the watching them move up and down the board. They, they just seem like you talk about it. You, you said it a couple times and teams panic sometimes and what they're going to do if a player they're kind of targeting is gone. It just looked like the Colts and watching them work, moving up and down the boards, in and out of picks, just really seemed to be in control and kind of dictating and just seemed to uh, – it just seems to be second nature. Uh, just the fact that they hit on a lot of those picks, even some of the smaller deals, and was moving in both directions. Kudos to Indianapolis. They obviously – did their homework, some grace fits there. Paris Campbell, you got you got to love that. Uh, I think that that's a good good compliment. They're kind of going to try and get that that speed guy, someone that's going to take the top off of the off of the defense. So kudos to the Colts. Uh, definitely definitely kudos there. I agree that I think the Texans are probably the loser here. It's kind of funny you talk about Titus Howard because with the two picks in the second round, it was no secret. Everybody knew that that. There was three teams really – it really came down to me. Titus Howard was going to be a Texan or a Charger. And the fact that I thought that for a long time I had him going to the Texans in the third round, and there was a lot of chatter about him later, and I thought, wow, they might have to use one of the second-round picks or, or if worse comes to worse, package those picks and kind, of, and kind of get him. The fact that they did it in the first round I just thought was a reach – I don't think there was enough of a call to take him there. Maybe move up in round two, vice round three, but two to one, I, I just didn't see it there. So I kind of agree with you on, on both there. Colts winner, Texans a loser, but I think the Colts won the entire AFC. Uh, just a big, big fan of what Indianapolis was able to do. Oh, so we go over to the uh, NFC side. Uh, we look at the South. Uh, obviously, you start with Atlanta. I really like the fact that Atlanta went with their first two uh, picks in the first round, the fact that they just went on the line. I think they finally said, look, Matt Ryan's been under pressure too much 
Uh, he's on the ground a little too much. We, you know, we got to protect him. Caleb McGarry, I heard some people say that it was too early, but I disagree. He was a guy that was moving up. Chris Lindstrom, I know that there were a lot of teams in the 20s that were looking at him. So I think this was appropriate. I I made the call that I thought that he was someone that was going to go a lot sooner. Uh, that was going to be Lindstrom and Savage, and both wound up in the first round, probably going uh, further than what people thought. Wasn't a big fan of the Kendall Sheffield, even though obviously he's the speedster, uh, has been dinged up a lot at Ohio State. Uh, but, you know, in the fourth round, if you get something out of him, great. John Kaminsky, great Division II player that we had we profiled all year. There you go. He's been on our small school list all year from Division II. Uh, Panthers, I really like that Greg Little pick. That was, to me, was maybe the best second-round pick there was. Jordan Scarlett, good uh, late-round guy, especially with the retirement now of Jonathan Stewart. I think they want to offset some of those carries, and they don't want Christian McCaffrey to be taking too much of the load. But, again, we all know Brian Burns. Everyone knows we're not a fan of him, you or I. But, again, a one-trick, if there's someone who can utilize just a speed guy, Again, I'm not a big fan of Burns, but this is where we had him in the mock. I had said Atlanta or Carolina was probably the best situation for him, and he wound up in Carolina. So for him, that probably works. Saints, pretty good job with uh, – I mean, they got tremendous value. Eric McCoy and Chauncey Garner-Johnson, their first two picks, both people that I think they got late if, for as few picks as they got, uh, I think that that's an amazing return on both of those players. Uh, but the fact that the Bucks they stay, they take Devin White at five, really thought that they were, you know, we had said that Allen was going to slip down, and ultimately I thought that they would resist Devin White and go for more of the pass rush, but they, they must really like Devin White. They, they stuck with him. Um, overall, I, again, Treth was okay. I don't think it was a, a clear home run. Uh, but so overall, I would have to say, if I would give a a loser quote in this division, I'd probably have to say just the Saints, just because I think there were a couple other people they could have taken late. They really hit on their first two picks, and their their other three were kind of like, eh, no biggie there. Uh, and a winner, I really like again the Falcons addressing the line in the first round. I think was a good thing to do. Some of their other picks could have been a little better. But uh, do like the fact that they get back into the first round, take two linemen. I think that was the right thing to do for the Falcons. And one thing I noticed about the Tampa Bay was them doubling up on the cornerback position. Uh, I think that was definitely a need for them. And with Devin White inside, you probably have your signal caller on the defense for the next 10 years. Uh, just to solidify and just make sure everything goes all right and to make place for you. Uh, they haven't had a backer like that. He, he's got Derek Brooks potential, and they, that's a name that's held in high regards in Tampa, and he has that type of potential to be that type of playmaker. Gotcha. Well, we're going to take it, uh, finish up with the West. Give us the SC side. All right, start with the Raiders. I think Clare, Cleveland Farrell was a surprise to go that early. Uh, he's a player I like, but at number four, I just – don't think that was the guy to take it for. Uh, it, you saw they had four to the top 40, Josh Jacobs, so they got a running back to replace Beast Mode, and Jonathan Abram is a safety. 
Uh, I really like the Hunter Renfro pick in the fifth round, uh, even though short arms and the small hands, uh, big heart and winning mentality. And guys like that rub off on your team. So he's a good piece to have. Uh, Denver traded down. Noah Fant at 20 uh, was a need for them. I talked to a friend of mine who's a Denver fan today. Uh, just said he was ecstatic about the pick. Uh, and they were able to grab Drew Locke uh, at 42 and be the backup to Joe Flacco. And he was somebody some people had in the mix at 10. And to be able to get him at 42, if he's a guy you like, that's, that's a real good deal for the Denver Broncos. And they drafted one of my favorite players in this draft, uh, linebacker Justin Hollins out of Oregon, uh, 6'5", 245. Can play outside, can play inside, kind of be a jack-of-all-trades for that uh, defense. And a guy we talked about, uh, Dalton Rinsner, who will fit on that offensive line in a few different spots. Uh, probably start out as a guard for them, something that they need, and to protect Flacco and open those open the holes up for the running game. Uh, San Diego, and I'll call them San Diego for the rest of my life, so I just did that. Uh, Jared, I love Tillery. Uh, that's exactly where I had him going at 28. Uh, I think he frees up the outside rushers, uh, takes pressure off of uh, Bosa and Ingram. But my big my big winner is, is, is going to be – the L.A. Chargers will refer to them as. Uh, I thought they got a good deal in getting Trey Pipkins at 91. Drew Tranquil, they need a linebacker, and they doubled up with uh, Amiki Egbele out of Houston. So they got two linebackers, a position they were really hurt at the end of last year to the point where they were playing safeties at linebacker and getting run over in the divisional playoff. Um, I saw they grabbed Easton Stick. I don't think he's a quarterback. I think that's a position move coming, but a good athlete, good three cone, and a guy who's won. So I, I'm going to say again, the Chargers always seem to find a way to find these players like they did with Derwin James last year and uh, win the draft. All right, but there, I, I mean, I, I like the Chargers, but I'm, I'm going to ex, uh, expand a little bit upon what you were saying with the Broncos. I, I would say the Broncos, the big winners there. Not a big Drew Locke person, but again, getting him in the second round, I think that's a great, great move. The fact that you can move back and still get Noah Font, I, that works out great for Denver. Good job for them. I uh, just big fan of what they were able to do. Uh, and as far as I, if I were to say a, a loser there, I would just say Oakland, even though they had all those picks, it wasn't necessarily a horrible draft, but I expected just a little bit more. Uh, Farrell, I, I just expected it. If they were really wanting to take him, wasn't there anyone they were going to try to trade with or someone that could move up at four and maybe even get some more picks? Uh, I do like Josh Jacobs. I, I think there were some good players they took. But I, I was expecting a little more out of Oakland. But, and Kansas City, that's kind of a, a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, and, and you really got to wonder now, the other big thing coming out of the weekend Obviously, it's going to be the Tyree Kill situation. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think there, there's any, there's no way that I, I think that he can stay in Kansas City now. And you got to look. The start of last year where they're just humming on offense, and now you go to now, Tyree Kill likely gone. Uh, everything that's happened uh, at the running back position, the fact they already lost 
a big player with Hunt. So, boy, that that offense looks a lot different than than what it does at the beginning of last year when they were turning heads. Yeah, no, they're 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 really at it, and they bring in a guy like Frank Clark too, who has a history. You expect a lot more out of this out of Dorsey. Not trying to shoot the guy, but John Dorsey wasn't afraid to take guys with background problems and he leaves and they're still doing it with Frank Clark and holding on to Tyreek Hill probably a little longer than they should. And who knows, maybe they will cut him in 20 minutes from now and we'll hear about how they did the same thing with Hunt. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a bad look for a franchise to keep carrying guys like that on the roster. And uh, I'll bring us home here with the NFC West. If I were to say if there's a winner here, I mean, I, I would say of all the divisions that I chronicled in the NFC, this was probably the weakest, uh, where I'd say there's probably the biggest questions across the board for the four teams. But I would say the 49ers probably win here. You get Nick Bosa, and I think Nick Bosa and Oliver have been in and out as the number one kind of overall pick in this draft. And I, I think there was really no no doubt that, that Nick Bosa going at two is, is the right move for the 49ers. Debo Samuel, if you can keep him healthy, he could – I think Debo Samuel and Nikhil Harry are probably the two wide receivers that I like the most in this draft. I had Harry rated number one. Samuel might be number one if he were able – I think he's the only person who I could possibly put ahead of Harry, but I think his injury history made it – made Nikhil Harry my favorite wide receiver in this draft. Uh, but but quite quite a, if you're able to keep him healthy, uh, you get him and Jalen Hurd, who you know is such a big target. And the fact that he's got that uh, that running back experience, I think that you know we see this a lot with some teams that uh, have those wide receivers, but they'll still be lining them up in the backfield to get him some carries. Jalen Hurd is absolutely perfect for something like that. Uh, Drew Greenlaw, uh, Dre Greenlaw out of Arkansas, another very good player. Caden Smith. I think it's a good developmental prospect in the sixth round. So I think, to me, the 49ers win. Uh, if I were to pick a loser here, just I don't know what it is every year. The Seahawks, well, I could just never never be with that uh, franchise. So I just do not get what they're doing year in and year out. LJ Collier, major reach. DK Metcalf at 64. Yeah, that's good. But, but again, uh, it is it all just window dressing? I just really worry about the change of direction and some other things that we see there. Gary Jennings Jr., pretty good pick. Ben Kirvin in the fifth round is probably the best pick they made there, but just not a fan overall. And again, you know, not big with, with Kyler Murray being the first pick overall. So I can't give a huge, huge kudos, I would say, to the Cardinals. But I will say that if you're sitting there for the second day and the third day and you get overnight to think about it, the fact that they take Byron Murphy at the top of round two and Hakeem Butler to start round three, I think Arizona hit home runs there. I think those, in hmm. both instances, they're pro- it's probably the best they could have done. Yet with number one, you know, neither one of us are a fan with what they do with Murray. But they, I think they absolutely killed it on the other two days. I'm still not a big believer in Deontay Thompson, but again, good flyer for the fifth round. You can't, uh, and then you get a, a small guy like Andy Isabella, and the, and the fact that you can use him in the slot, pair him with Christian Kirk. 
I think there's some real weapons there. I really like what they did, but I can't say that they won because of what they did at the top of the draft. Your thoughts on the West? I'm going to agree with you on the wide receivers with Arizona. Uh, Just different type of guys that they were able to grab between Andy Isabella and Hakeem Butler. I mean, there's hardly any similarities in their game other than speed. Uh, One's going to be a perfect slot guy. One's going to be an outside-the-numbers guy. And uh, Keyshawn Johnson will probably be a guy who moves around some for them that they were able to grab on day three. Going with it, good pick by San Francisco with Bowser and Debo Samuel. You were right about that, Debo. Uh, quality wide receiver. The injury is a concern. And uh, Seattle leaves you flustered. And yet, they're always in the mix. It's just, Pete Carroll seems to have a type. And it works. And to some of us, we're, we're unable to look at it and see it work until it works. Um, is the way I put that with Pete Carroll in the way they draft in Seattle. Yeah, and the Rams overall, I think, you know, okay. I think Daryl Henderson, good player. I was a little bit uh, kind of curious there as to taking him so high. Not as big on Bobby Evans. I do like Greg Gaines in the fourth round. Rams, not bad, but uh, I thought they could have done a little more. David Edwards in the fifth round, to me, could end up being a steal, though. Uh, I, I don't know why people were kind of poo-pooing David Edwards so much. I, I really, really liked him. Uh, I thought he made the right move coming out of school a year early. But, uh, boy, the fifth round for David Edwards, uh, kind of uh, – and, and I do like Taylor Rapp. I, I don't think he helped himself with his workouts. But overall, just watching him on tape, uh, I think Taylor Rapp, just from a tape perspective, if you you take out the workouts, you take out – anything that happened at the combine or the interview process. And I just watched on tape, uh, Jonathan Abram and Taylor Rapp were probably the, I would say the, the creme de la creme at the safety position. So, you know, good value pick there for the Rams. Well, I think that uh, is a pretty good wrap as far as uh, where we stand with the draft. Obviously there's more coming up here and uh, look forward to the upcoming year and what this is going to bring for the 2020 class. So, Last thoughts here, just looking at what we saw here and what you kind of anticipate next year. What kind of changes or what do you think is going to be different about this incoming class for 2000, for 2020 by what we just saw in 2019? I think it's going to be a quarterback class as compared to this year. And I think there's some good value on the offensive line. Uh, those are the two positions I'm looking at to begin with. Uh, offensive side of the ball to be uh, to be the guys who go in as consensus high picks for next year. Yeah, to me, I really think the offensive tackles. Obviously, we saw the defensive line being big in this draft. Defensive tackle being being so big, it's really going to depend on who is going to. I, I would say who is actually going to declare. But there's some really good tackles out there. This could be that again, and it's not. It's not the sexiest thing. You don't want to go like, yeah, my team's going to go in. They're going to get a franchise offensive tackle. It's not something that gets the blood pumping and and revving, but uh, we all know what an important piece to a franchise that is. Uh, And we could have four to five, not just good tackles, but franchise-type tackles if they develop the way that they're expected to this coming year that are going to be available in this coming draft. So with all the young quarterbacks that have been – 
you know, in the league and have made a splash. I think that this is, uh, you know, a best friend is always a tight end and and an offensive tackle that's going to protect that blind side. And I think that we're going to find some really, really good tackles in this upcoming class. I do agree. I think the quarterbacks are going to be better. I think there's a couple positions we're going to see that's a little bit better. I think there's some actually some very good linebackers uh, that are going to be in next year's class as well. But to me, uh, it's going to be the offensive tackle. And not, not just because there's some good ones there, but there's going to be a big drop-off. There's still some good players, but after you get maybe through six or seven tackles, it's going to be an immense drop-off to the next level. So I think because of that, it's going to accentuate it even more. And if I were to make a quick guess, I think we're going to see see teams jumping up and making deals for tackles like we've never seen in years past just because there's there's so many good ones available at the top and it's such a big drop. But again, a lot changes over a year. A lot changes over a year. But those are the early thoughts. But I uh, want to thank you for all the hard work that you've done this past year, buddy. Fantastic. Look forward to the coming year. Uh, it's going to be fun as always. Absolutely. Thank you again. Uh, thanks for welcoming me in uh, with open arms. And these podcasts have been great. And uh, hopefully we can find a reason to do one soon. Definitely will. Maybe uh, I'd say once uh, we have some uh, some camp news. Unfortunately, there's always some injury news that are kind of mixed in there. Uh, but we're we're also gonna, probably gonna for our college football fans out there with the fierce forty, uh, and when we are gonna have some uh, college previews coming up, I think that's gonna be the next kind of batch as well. But do want to say thank you everyone for your continued support coming to see our website uh, year in year out. It's going to be even better going into 2020, so I want to say thank you on behalf of Buddy and uh, myself, and we'll see you soon, and we'll we'll keep it going. I feel like I'm falling, but I'm trying to fly. Where does all the good go? We're looking for answers in the highest of highs, but will we ever, ever know? And I need you to know. Ocean.